uh, I had a cold open, but I'm in a different mood now. And <laughs> now I don't know if I want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was, it was potty talk. Uh, now it doesn't, we could, I could save it for literally any episode. It's not well, timely at all. I'll, I'll, I'll take it over then. Cool. So I was hanging out on your stream. What, like a week and a half ago, something like that. A week mm-hmm. ago, maybe. And you were like, you know, just waiting for Steve to boo Rachel up. <laughs> talking about, oh. you know, marriage or whatever. Mm. And I just want to set the record straight a little bit. <laughs> well, I didn't th- you're not going to. I didn't, Well, like, that's not your thing. Right. Well, I guess actually not set the record straight very much. Maybe muddy the record entirely. <laughs> And horrifically, we may or may not be engaged. Neither of us are really quite sure. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. I mean, well, maybe or maybe not. Congratulations. Thanks. (laughs) About, you know, a little over a year ago, it was our anniversary. It was the middle of COVID. I was feeling like, man, I just need like, Something to look forward to, some good no news, you know, something. So the basically the the headline of the story is we're apathetic about mm-hmm. it, about marriage in general. We're not ambivalent because ambivalent would imply that you have strong opinions in both directions, right? Mm. Like we just don't we just can't summon any fucks to give. And mm-hmm. it's like, if either of us, like, if she cared about being married, you know, if it meant anything to her, then I would love to get married. That would be a great, you know, it's, it doesn't, it just doesn't mean much to me, but it also doesn't mean much to her. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know, it's not going to change like our idea of what our relationship is or idea of commitment to one another or anything like that. Like, it just doesn't have that special status. But it was, it was, you know, deep in the pandemic and I was feeling down and it was like, it would be nice to have something to look forward to, some sort of good news, whatever. I'll propose. (laughs) (laughs) It was our anniversary road trip weekend. It was like, you know, drove all the way out to the end of Long Island. It was like, this would be a cute thing to do. But I guess I kind of like messed up the delivery or something because she didn't really recognize it as proposing. Did you say, will you marry me? I said, hey, you want to get married? (laughs) And she's like, why do you want to get married? And I couldn't really give a very strong answer. And then, like, she just, like, didn't, yeah, she just didn't recognize it as a proposal. And then... I mean, when you put it like that, (laughs) how is that supposed to be a proposal? (laughs) And then several uh-huh. months later, or sometime later, I don't know when, because I also didn't recognize it as a proposal, but apparently she proposed to me too. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch it. I had no idea. So, so neither of us had, we may or may not be engaged. Neither of us has any idea. That's how that happens. <laughs> well. When it comes to romantic milestones, you two are nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. 
My God. Wow. So you both poorly proposed to each other at mm-hmm. two different times. At two different times. Over the last 15 months. Yeah. But neither of you said yes specifically to either poor proposal. Correct. All right. And neither of us, it, it, I think it's at this point, it's because we've talked it through, you know, I think at this point, it's funnier to us, to both of us that we don't know than it would be important to us to, you know, be or not be engaged or to get married. All right. And so that's where we stand. The, you know what? This is <laughs> so much more of a Steve story than I even thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was going to be this whole, like, you know, legally, when you've lived together for seven years, you're like mm, legally common law like, marriage or whatever. Common law. Yeah. And so, because we're at six years or mm-hmm. however many, then we're basically common law engaged. And I thought that was going to be your route. No, I was sorely wrong. No, no, we're a little too My. weird for even for that. Oh my goodness. I mean, cool. This is is on brand. I have nothing to complain about here. (laughs) Like I said that on stream, knowing full well that. Yeah, I know. Both of you, I believe are, don't give a shit about marriage. Right. Like it does. Why? If I'm happy. Right. Why get legal about it blah 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 this is not <laughs> true turns out to follow be up i was expecting. Could have ever expected yeah <laughs> we also have you know whenever anybody asks us hey when are you gonna get married you know we have a response all planned out and so one us to say well we would have been married a long time ago and the other to say yeah if it hadn't been for cotton eye joe where did he come from Where'd he go? And then we both just like ding, 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 just like slowly back away out of the room. I need to only ever hear about that story. (laughs) I do not need to be there for this. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is another one that is more entertaining for us to talk about than to ever need to actually do. I have too much melanin in my skin (laughs) to be involved in to any degree in that entire conversation. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, fucking non-congrats. <laughs> Schrodinger's congrats. Thank you. I'll take it. Schrodinger's congrats. That's hilarious. That's perfect. Holy shit. Should we do a podcast? Wow. We should do a podcast. superpower thank you for asking it's a podcast where we talk about the things that we're hyped on uh which apparently for in my case does not include marriage but also in my case this week doesn't include comics i didn't read anything on account of traveling and yeah we'll read comics we could talk about that we'll also have a special segment after that which one did you want to do did you want to do 
I want to do the MCU comics thing. Let's do the MCU comics thing. I so think that'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, we're going to talk about the best and worst ways that the Marvel comics have been influenced by the MCU. I don't even have a list written out. I know it all. I've yeah. seen it all happen. I've been reading comics since before the MCU happened, and I've seen the changes. I've got a, I've got a few just sort of like oblique ones that will... We can get into. Okay. So, yeah, what did you read this week? I read a few books. So, okay, I kept reading until I got to a good book because this was kind of an off week for me. I got four books. Okay. And I knew we were going to be recording a couple days later than usual. And so I was like, I'll just read, read, read. And then whatever I don't cover in in the episode, I'll just scoot over to the next week. But... I kind of want to just shotgun these because none of them blew my mind. And I'll just let this be the off week. <laughs> yeah, just uh, the the unload. Get get this. And you'll never have to think about these ever again. Uh, with the exception of the fact that they all are to be continued. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sorry, three of the four are. Well, that's a bummer. All right. So what 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 are they? Oh, yeah. So United States of Captain America, okay, which had the cover quote from comicbook.com, examines the hero's legacy while really examining his American history and values within the context of a mystery. Was that the anthology book with a bunch of crazy creators or was that, oh, am I thinking of something no. else? Oh, okay. I want to say you're thinking of something else. However, it's five issues and the credit is of like of all the names is four lines long. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it's, you know, so it's collecting United States of Captain America numbers one through five by Christopher Cantwell, Josh Trujillo, Mohale Mashigo, Darcy Little Badger, Al- Alyssa Wong, Dale Eaglesham, Jan Bazaldua, Natasha, Natasha, Natasha Bustos, David Cutler, Ron Lim, Jody Nishijima, Roberto Poggi and Matt Miller. That's a whole lot of people. Is that, a lot of people. Is it always like, are they usually that many creators? Like yeah. if, if you include like <laughs> well, all the, all the editorial staff and variant cover artists, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking at my other three books. Two of them are equally long. One of them only has three names. So hmm. it might be a normal thing. <laughs> okay, fair. I guess this is really the first time I've actually looked at the entire list <laughs> because you asked about it. So I'll I'll keep an eye out down the line and see. Okay. But yeah, so United States Captain America was okay. It kind of does a captain verse, but oh, across America instead of across the multiverse. Mm. Interesting. It's it's yeah, like it's a, fifth, a fifty of the three of fifty the cap initiative, ish. Okay, we only quote unquote meet like eight other caps. Are they are they called like Captain California, Captain Nebraska? No. Okay, good. they're all they all are Captain America. Well, they all like, take. They all use like the name Captain America. Is it like when um, when Stephen Colbert was running for president of the United States, but only in South Carolina? And so it's like, I am Captain America of South Carolina. 
And yes. it's like, okay, weird. Yeah, like we'll meet a guy. His name is Joe Gomez. He's the Captain America of the Kickapoo tribe. And there's another girl, Nichelle Wright. She is Captain America of Harrisburg. In, oh, okay. Uh, New York. I'm sorry, Pennsylvania. Okay, so it's it's local caps. It's not like there's not mm-hmm. some sort of like cap delegation where all 50 states are. No. Okay. I feel it's a bunch about of this. so yeah, so give, giving away part of the like building plot is it's people across America who are inspired by Captain America to fight for sure what their take on the American dream or protecting the little guy. Cool. Because Avengers are busy doing right. you know, cosmic shit. Like they're not going to pay attention to mm-hmm. this water, this water pipe in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Sure. That's like been poisoned and this, that, and the other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flint, Michigan's water. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, it wasn't bad. And I was really looking forward to this one because I have my own personal, not grievances, but like, how do I feel about Captain America in 21st century race politics and all that shit? So yeah, for sure. I was very interested to see how this played out. Played out okay. I don't know. I've I don't know if it's my own personal lack of like Captain American pride or if it was just a meh story. Okay, fair. So we'll go over it in a second. Yeah. And then also did Zadarsky's Daredevil, Volume 7. Oh, shit. Yeah, I feel like that too, but... Didn't land? I guess not. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I Maybe I'm just having a my own personal off week, but like mm-hmm. these stakes didn't feel as high or tense as his other volumes have. Interesting. To me. Okay. And there's a chance that I'll do it a disservice because you'll be hearing about it from my point of view. <laughs> I'm going to try to be as impartial as possible. Well, I'll ask questions. Sure. Yeah. We got volume six of Miles Morales. And that one was transition volume, I think. Cool. And cool. then Spider Woman volume three. It's just not a good title. That, it's, that story's been wild. It's been all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> Continuing to be, wow. It really mm-hmm. seemed like it had a good stopping point after after volume two. Right? <laughs> they got Spider-Woman the cure. They dealt with the mom clones and high evolutionary stuff. They made a copy of the cure for her brother's daughter. And like everything was in a pink bow. We could have moved on. Yeah, and if if you're curious what you know that all was, we we did talk about this in you know previous episodes. I don't know off yes. the hand which one. Go go read the show notes. We we put every <laughs> single comic we read in the show yes. notes. Yeah, it was a bit ago. Yeah, just not okay. So, but anyway, United States of Cap, United States, and Daredevil, and Miles Morales, and Spider Woman. Just those four. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. I read, as I said, nothing. And that is totally fine and understandable for someone traveling across the country. Yeah, I will say, once again, I know I've said it before, everybody who's in a position to do so, who has like 
one to three other friends, go play Pandemic Legacy. Do it. It's incredible. Board game with the story mode changes every time you play it. It's just one of the most satisfying group experiences you can do. We finally finished season zero, which is going to be the last season. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. It took us, you know, because half the play group is in California and then me and Rachel are out here. We've been playing this trip for a long time to just meet somewhere neutral. So we went to Denver because we can all get a direct flight there. And it was grueling, (laughs) but we finished it off (laughs) and had a great time doing it. You got there. Yeah, we, 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 we won. We succeeded with nearly highest marks at, um, nice. It was touch and go there for a while, but we got really good luck on the last <laughs> mission. Should we start talking about comics? Sure. So United States of Captain America starts with kind of a, an inner monologue from Steve Rogers that he's kind of, he kind of talks about the setup of what the story kind of will be. It's him, it's him at home putting together a cleaning mix to clean his shield. Apparently he cleans his shield at night with like vinegar and salt and baking soda. And that's kind of cute. I mean, yeah, um, it's a little, I don't know how much vibranium tarnishes, but I guess there's paint on it. Right. Probably. And, you know, not just vibranium, but the one-of-a-kind special adamantium vibranium mixture or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, at one time, it was like three or four different Mm. metals. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's specifically made out of now. Yeah. But it's a thing. It's a a symbol. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it's it's made out of. It's made out of symbols. It's made out of jingoism. Cool. He's cleaning it. Yeah, so it starts with them saying, I'm loyal to nothing except the dream. I actually Mm. said that once. Here's (laughs) the thing about a dream, though. A dream isn't real. When we wake up, it goes away, and we're left with this yearning inside, like something was taken from us. At least that's one kind of dream. But lately, spending my days in this country as the years march on by, I'm starting to think America actually has two dreams and (laughs) one lie. The first American dream is the one that isn't real. It's the one some people expect to just be handed to them. And then they get angry when it disappears, when the truth is it never really existed in the first place. Germans have this neat word, Fernway. It means a longing, a nostalgia for a place you've never been or for a place that might not even exist at all. Mm -hmm. We have a word for this in the States, Americana. This is the white picket fence. This is the white picket fence fallacy that, if we're not careful, becomes nationalism, jingoism. Wow! As you just pulled, <laughs> <laughs> that dream isn't real. It never was because that dream doesn't get along nicely with reality. Other cultures, immigrants, the poor, the suffering people easily come to uh, to be seen as different or un-American. The white picket fence becomes a gate to keep others out. We're at our best when we keep no one out. A dream, a good mm-hmm. dream is shared, shared radically, shared with everyone. When someone, when something isn't shared, it can become the American lie. The lie is a real problem because it comes in from, it comes in the form of an empty promise. A while back, we told the world they could come here for a better life, but too often we turn our backs on them. Instead of a dream, they get handed a raw deal. Then there is the second dream. This one's real but we don't hold it or own it. Heck, we can't even touch it. We reach for it. 
We work, we toil, we struggle, we fight together. We may never reach it, but we never stop trying. That's my dream. The Smithsonian is putting a special exhibit together called Americans Who Fight. Tell you the truth, I don't really love the name, only because sometimes we fight when we feel like we could handle things another way. In my mind, there were Americans who fought, sure, but also reached. They laid themselves bare, and they did it without serums or powers or metal suits. The museum wants to put my shield on display. They have an old replica, but they believe the real deal will mean more to people. But unlike those other folks, the ones who reached with selfless clarity, I find myself too often stripped of what I'm supposed to stand for. I'm pretty easy to repurpose for people's various agendas. I'm also an easy target when things in the country get bad. And believe me, they can get bad. Sometimes it gets so far away from 1940 when I first got injected that it all seems pretty ridiculous. Honestly, I've started to wonder if I divide more than unite. So often a shield can become something to hide behind. I wonder if lately I've been hiding too. Of course, the people who want to kill me always seem to know exactly where to find me. And then he gets ambushed in the middle of the night. Anyway, hmm. that's his like inner monologue. And while he's like reviewing uh, or thinking about this, he looks at, he's cleaning a shield. And then he starts thinking about like, when it says the Americans who fight, he, he like pictures like, wars and he pictures police in right gear mm-hmm. so that's a hell of, that's hell of a that's a hell of a like mission statement for the yeah. whole book right right there. like what is so it's kind of like you know what is captain america what does it mean to right. america the idea and what does it mean to americans yeah and you know establishing what this dream is mm-hmm. you know what yeah what does it mean to yeah exactly what you just said <laughs> okay yeah and then there's like he has all these like iconography things that reference things that i don't know every single one of when he says there were americans who fought sure but also reached they laid themselves bare mm-hmm. and they did it without serums powers smell suits you have like the diner that during the civil rights movement african americans would try to sit at there's mm-hmm. a bullhorn there's this top hat. There's a black jacket with an eagle on it. Mm-hmm. And then there's this dress that I don't know what it's about. But yeah, it's interesting. And then when he talks about, I'm pretty easy to repurpose. You've got this like guy wearing a Captain America shield shirt, berating mm-hmm. someone who looks to be an employee at a retail store. <laughs> Uh-huh. You have a protest with someone burning a Captain America like Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And then you have this girl working at like a Captain America retail shop that's just yeah. like all Captain America paraphernalia. That seems, you know, quite, yeah, mm-hmm. realistic to how we would deal with Captain America in the real world. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so, and that was, that was captioned with the, sometimes it gets so far away from 1940 when I first got injected, that all seems pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I wonder if I divide more than unite. It's him standing in between a police line and a bunch of protesters trying to calm people down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot. (laughs) Then he gets ambushed and someone dressed in classic Captain America uniform takes a shield and runs away. 
Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it starts. Steve calls Sam and he's like, hey, I need help. This guy dressed like me running away. He's got my shield. Steve puts on his, like, the shield cap uniform. Yeah. That's like the all blue with the white only. Mm-hmm. It's like the white star in the yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A version of it is in Captain America Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> they chase him down to train tracks. The guy is super fast for whatever reason. Two trains are on their way to... They would, they would be passing, but Imposter Cap derailed one of the trains and looks like they're going to crash. They're dealing with that, and then they're, they come across our first street-level Captain America. Okay. His name is Aaron Fisher. He has, like, a trash can lid that he made into a Captain America shield. Cool. And he has been labeled, basically, Captain America of the Railways. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So basically, they're like, why are you dressed like Captain America? He says, sorry. Yeah. There are a lot of cool people on the rails, kind of like family, but some real pieces of shit show up too. I take care of folks like that. Keep them out of our uh, nice little world. So he's kind of like the guardian of the railways. Mm -hmm. Someone else shows up to try to kill Aaron. Steve saves him and that person gets away trying to figure out what's going on. At the end of each issue, after we get introduced to a new cap, we kind of get like the that kid's origin story. Mm -hmm. And Aaron's was looking out for a bunch of uh, people who got pushed out by Roxxon building a new department store, basically. Like a giant Costco. Yeah. And yeah, that's how he found his purpose. Interesting. Not a huge deal, but he's also he's also gay. He has a boyfriend on the rails. Mm-hmm. that's just the last page and, and sure. as I'm flipping through I came across it anyway every time we get a new one we get this little like bio sheet oh cool that shows where we met them where they're like stationed and then like notes from Sam and Steve who is your favorite of all of the the original the street level caps who was which one stood out to you the most um that you know I think this girl the campus captain america she's the (laughs) fourth one we meet okay but yeah we go through the guy super fast we also get the person the sniper is a redhead with a german accent going by superior Mm. that's no good superiors and a bunch of stars and stripes it's becoming more and more obvious that they're trying to destroy the name here we go so like black and red bodysuit, and then mm-hmm. Stars and Stripe mask. Okay. It's pretty obvious just from talking to them that Steve and Sam figure out that it's Sin or Cynthia, ah, mm-hmm. Red Skull's daughter, Yeah, and Speed Demon. Because it's not the wizard and it's not Quicksilver. <laughs> <laughs> they like go down. They're like, yeah. no. <laughs> Quicksilver's awesome. too proud to wear somebody else's uh-huh. uh, costume. Wizard's still dead, I think. so they're like oh it's probably speed demon so it turns out yeah absolutely it absolutely is speed demon he was hypnotized to help out we met nichelle wright she's the captain america of harrisburg 
Mm-hmm. Her data is local gymnastics star who walked away from a promising athletics career to become an activist and vigilante, fights with words and fists to protect her underserved community. Cool. And then, so Speed Demon Cap and Superior going around busting up American like symbols and Captain America stuff. Okay. They'd probably go to Brooklyn and destroy <laughs> that statue that we went to see. <laughs> that statue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. So, because this is a Captain America themed arc, Sam goes and puts on his old Captain America costume. Old, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Because right now he's Falcon. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Misty Knight had made a shield for him and it's all black with a white star. Mm-hmm. Steve goes, since the shield is stolen, he goes and gets his light shield that Tony Stark made okay. back in the yeah. day. Mm hmm. And then two other Captain Americas, like, I guess, legacy Captain Americas show up. Bucky gets involved. And he has blue and white shield. I don't remember ever seeing that. And then also John Walker, U.S. agent, mm-hmm. joins, the, joins the fray. And he has the, his US agent, U.S. agent shield, which is a black and white striped shield with U.S. in the center instead of a uh, mm. star. Yeah. And we get to meet the Captain America of the Kickapoo tribe. His name is Joe Gomez, uh, a construction worker and handyman who took up the mantle of Captain America to protect his reservation, champions the over the overlooked and underserved in his community and elsewhere. Cool. He's he's cool. I like I like his design. I don't know if you're able to see. This is just the easiest one that I've got right now. Awesome. Very Native American um, inspired with mm-hmm. red, white, and blue colors and then his origin is how captain america saved him on a construction yard one time and inspired him to be more and then we get the mastermind of the whole situation this woman named commander krieger also known as julia koenig koenig Mm -hmm. also known as warrior woman it's a whole bunch it's a whole thing anyway she she got introduced back in the 70s in an Invader comic, and she is involved with Nazis. Oh, they introduced this concept that everything that has to do with Captain America is related to Nazis. And he huh. took offense because he's like, no, it's not. And they're like, it, it does. I need <laughs> to find this conversation. Okay. <laughs> oh, while they're going across the country and finding all this, that's when they, when they meet the second Captain America, when they mm-hmm. meet Michelle, Wright. That's when they get introduced to this, like Captain America network across okay. the country. Yeah. Uh, which is basically think of it as like a discord server for people who are <laughs> acting Captain America's. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. Cause like they talk about it. Like it's, it actually has a name. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Godwin's law. Okay. Oh, that that sounds that's that oh that's the the every every conversation eventually you'll compare each other to Nazis and it yes. breaks down from there. Yeah. So Bucky calls him the living end of Godwin's law. And Sam's like, what is that? He says, it's the idea that the longer conversation goes on, it'll inevitably involve Nazis. <laughs> and Steve said, I don't think that's fair. I've come up against plenty of folks in my time, and a lot of them weren't Nazis. Batroc wasn't a Nazi. <laughs> and, the, and 
They're like, Vetrox worked for Zemo, who used to run Hydra, which was also once <laughs> run by the Red Skull, who was mentored by, all right, I get it. <laughs> so what, fascists really don't like me? Good, you're welcome. <laughs> I will say, the downside to Godwin's Law, because it's such a thing, and it's like, we've gotten so used to, like, basically, like, Nazis being cartoon villains in World War II as you know, mm. sort of position as the last morally, maybe only morally justifiable American war. <laughs> um, you know, it, and it's taken such a place in pop culture that I feel like Godwin's law is almost like almost a a distraction now. Like when there are actual fascists mm. who are you trivialized know, it a threat to yeah to the country and to our world, then yeah, it, it becomes tribu- trivialized. I just, just a little absolutely aside. agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. So in looking up some references for this comic mm-hmm. on the Marvel wiki, the individual profiles for the people involved have not been updated. Okay. Since this has come out, but the synopsis of each issue has, it just, hasn't been added to the like wiki profiles, which is annoying because I didn't know what's about to happen. So we learned that Julia commander Krieger, whatever she wants to go by right now Mm -hmm. is the mastermind behind all this coordinating sin and speed demon all because they're going to camp. NORAD. Yeah. Yeah. NORAD. It's a NORAD complex. Oh, okay. Yeah, the North American missile launch system, basically. Oh. Well, they didn't care about the missiles. Okay. So, (laughs) because at this complex, there is a box that is containing hate monger. Oh, Adolf Hitler. Or not not that hate monger. There have been several hate mongers, but the first one was literally Hitler. Literally Hitler, and he's been cloned just, multiple just, times. Just to go after, you know, God's, Godwin's law as hard as we can here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The and longer so a this Captain is what, America comic goes on, the more likely you will come across literal Adolf Hitler. It was so annoying because I looked up <laughs> Hatemonger because I wanted a reference of when he became this psychic being and like, like Shadow King oh. and not... Ugh. A physical person. Again, this is the mythologization of fascism and Nazis instead of like a real worldly threat. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just rambling now. Yeah, but I mean, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) So they went and they're on their way to NORAD. They being the Captain's America. Also, they ask, they have this little side conversation. Is it Captain's America or Captain America's? Oh, God. I don't personally know, but Captain's America just sounds kind of cool. So I've yeah, been going yeah, I'm it. into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the Captain's America are going to No Red, and Steve's like, "Okay, yeah, we're, they're they're going for they're going for hate monger." They're like, "Oh, great!" And then one of the new ones is like, "What's a hate monger? It's living psychoactive energy derived from Adolf Hitler's consciousness." Uh huh. According to this, yeah, but. The original hate monger was absolutely Hitler and then yes. clones of Hitler. Yes. 
<laughs> and if you look up his wiki page, it has nothing about this storyline. The last <laughs> time you see him on on paper is Fear Itself. Interesting. And Fear Itself is an old storyline. Yeah, it was like over ten years ago. No, it wasn't over ten years ago. Maybe it was. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Fear itself. I'm gonna. Just, now you made me look it up. It, about, so about ten years ago. Fear Eight itself. To 12 years ago. Fear itself started March 2011. Wow, over ten years. Okay, yeah. you got me. It even ended in April 2012, which technically is over a year, over ten years ago, <laughs> ten years and a month ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wild. We're old. All right, so <laughs> anyway. Not a big deal. It's just I don't have a frame of reference for when he became a psychoactive ghost and not a physical person. But Krieger says, hey, Mr. Hatemonger gasm thing. (laughs) (laughs) I am priming America for you to take over and Superior and I will each get the West region or the right or the East region and it's going to be Amazing. You will be the head of state. And Haymonger's like, Skull already tried this and failed. <laughs> and Krieger's like, Skull went the overt hate route with fringe iconography and all this other stuff. What I'm doing is turning the symbol against itself. I'm turning mm-hmm. America against itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can easily turn these citizens against their very symbols of liberty, their stars, their stripes, this shield, the man who bears it. I've already made great strides because this nation is sick to its core. This America will provide you a feast of hate. You will be nigh invincible. So wow. that's the plan. Interesting. Get the, get the world to turn on the stars and stripes. And somehow, so I had to look up Krieger because I haven't yeah. seen her before. and. She doesn't have a power listed that I'm about to reference. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but she uses the shield and like holds it up in the air and hypnotizes people. Huh. And it's kind of explained in the same way of like when the hypnotist has you like pay attention to like a swinging watch or whatever. But she doesn't do that. Like she holds it. And then people get hypnotized, but whatever. So that's what, that's a thing that she can do. It's really obnoxious. Anyway, Hatemonger gets out for a little bit. We get introduced to the origin story for Captain Mer- Campus Captain America. Okay. Her name is Arielle Agbayami. Cool. She's a scholarship student at Hargrove University who took up the mantle to protect her fellow students from people whose money and family connections usually shield them from consequences. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so her roommate was attacked, uh, like she got bruises on her arm by a legacy student. Interesting. Yeah, his his parents have all kinds of money, have like half the buildings on campus are named after them. Sure, yeah. And he stole her phone because it had evidence. And so Mm. he's at a frat party. And so she organizes some of her girlfriends to go and steal the phone back and steal his phone and out him as the sexual predator that he is. Cool. 
And yeah, and so she's really cool. I also like her design because she has a little like face mask. It ends with the climactic fight is on an island. Shields are being thrown everywhere because everyone has one. Hatemonger takes the form of some like Fox News anchor guy type guy to make it a little too real. And he's going to team up with Krieger to try to hypnotize the world and get the world against him. Mm -hmm. And then all of the Captain's Americas show up. Uh, Well, that they could get at at such short notice. Uh, We have Railways, we have Nichelle, we have Abigail. The ones we haven't met that are just like there are like this like quarterback Captain America. Interesting. Okay. It looks cool. There's this like motorbiker Captain America, <laughs> but then the best is businessman Captain America, where okay. his briefcase has stars and stripes on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just in a Captain America, he's just in a suit, like a three-piece suit <laughs> with a striped tie. Uh-huh. <sighs> anyway, they all show up and punch who they can. <laughs> the captain. A military captain who was in charge of keeping an eye on Hatemonger is the inventor of the tech that kept Hatemonger in. And so he made a portable version. And so he gets Hatemonger trapped in a little energy cube. Mm-hmm. All just in time to when a broad, the broadcast that they're about to send out to hypnotize the world comes on. Okay. And so it gives Captain's America to a chance <laughs> to address the the nation. Steve says, I, you know what? You guys have heard enough from me. I don't think you want to hear from me. Yeah. But these are your captains, America. Interesting. And they, they kind of, quote unquote, out themselves and introduce themselves to America. They're like, hey, we're fighting for the little guy. We're amazing. We got your back. We will always got your back. Cool. And it ends with the... Smithsonian exhibit turns out Steve did give his shield to the exhibit, but then they also got all the shields and put them on exhibit. Cool. So that's kind of cool. Okay. And then it ends with this little kid at the exhibit asking Steve if he's Captain America. And he's like, you know what? I might be, but I think you might be too. Cool. In fact, I think everyone in here is. So it's just this like the whole like anyone could be Spider-Man. That's why we that's why the every he man has hero completely yeah. covered. Yep. Taking that approach to Captain America. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't not work. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it had its good parts. I like the Captain America network. Mm-hmm. I I respect the idea of using Captain America as the like mantle for protecting those who can't be protected who can't protect themselves yep i think that is the repurposing of the stars and stripes that he needs yeah so but you said you still had mixed feelings about it i had mixed feelings because it didn't feel impactful Mm. like I guess, I guess for me, my mixed feelings come from, I didn't walk away feeling like, feeling inspired to be a Captain America kind of a thing, if that okay. makes sense. Sure. It was a good story, 
the you have to think about the message. Like, I guess it just wasn't like mm-hmm. it didn't inspire me to be more. And I think I wanted that from okay. a story that they're for the story that they're trying to tell. Okay. Interesting. It it wasn't personally rousing, but it was so it wasn't so much a failure of the message as a failure of the storytelling. Like it was like it yeah. told the story that you expected, just not in a way that like with the grace or panache that personally resonated with you. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so yeah, so like I don't know, maybe I don't know if it needed like a 12 issue arc instead of five Mm, or like mm -hmm. the storytelling or the dialogue needed to be stronger for me or I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it was, but sure. You know, I think maybe part of it was, I wonder because they felt like they needed to do this, like Nazi hate monger arc. Mm, Yeah. I think it would have been, it could have been more powerful if this was an exploratory arc for Steve going across America and getting introduced to the struggles of everyday captain. I can see that. That, that does sound way cooler. Like maybe, maybe that's what it was. And almost like a monster of the week where you are helping each like local cap out with their own thing rather than having to tie it into this larger meta narrative. Yeah. I, I like that. Which is kind of a cop off of Straczynski's Superman. Mm-hmm. Back when I was obsessed with Straczynski, which was before I was obsessed with Hickman. <laughs> Has to be one or the other. <laughs> he left Spider-Man and went to DC and he did a run on Superman. And his first book, I bought the I bought the book of his first like TP. Mm-hmm. And it was a storyline called Grounded, where He's coming on the heels of some big, you know, alien planet moon storyline where he's off world completely, but protecting Earth. And then this like grieving widow gets angry at him because he could have easily have like saved her husband for whatever the reason was. I don't remember the, the details, but she was like, you spend all your time in the in the sky. Do you even know what you're fighting for anymore? Mm-hmm. And so he that he has this arc where he just walks across America, <laughs> in fucking Conan style, basically. <laughs> and it's him just like walking through towns and coming across these kinds of like small town issues. Like he helped. He helped a guy working on his uh, on his truck. He came across this kid who was being beat by his father. Like, things he wouldn't necessarily notice flying across the sky. That is really cool. And he has conversations with Wonder Woman, Flash, and Batman of just hmm. like, especially with Flash, he was like, when you're running that fast, what do you see? He's like, probably yeah. the same thing you do when you're going super fast. Like, yeah. shapes. Mm. And 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 Superman's just like shit. Like that woman's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that and so clearly that had an impact on me. And that was yeah. God. That was like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I I would have liked a story more like that. Okay. But that's also that's that's Straczynski's thing. Is he loves taking 
the Superman character sure. and flipping his perspective on like, I'm super powerful. How, like, do I care about the citizen? Should I care about the citizen? Right. He's done that arc on almost every <laughs> <laughs> comic oh, that he's written. <laughs> and so that could just be a Straczynski thing as opposed to a uh, truth, justice, and American way superhero thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the story I would have wanted, I think. Cool. Okay. Moving on. With that. So Daredevil. Okay. Let's do Daredevil next. So we've been loving the Zdarsky run yeah. but you said this is just kind of like a slow was it like was it just like does it did it feel like a reset to a bigger conclusion or did it feel like there were payoffs that happened but they didn't have the impact that you wanted them to so what I feel okay one of the biggest things that I loved about Zdarsky's run was mm-hmm. the arc he was telling with Wilson Fisk yes right when he was dealing with that those rich that rich family and then like him losing control and him trying to be the mayor and the kingpin and yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. Yeah. His arc now is this love that he has found for typhoid Mary. Okay. And she makes, this is going to come off really cold, but she makes him weak in the Mm. sense that when Shit's going down in like Hell's Kitchen or whatever, and she leaves to go and defend Wilson, like from yeah. afar. He gets super worried and can't function knowing that she's out there and might get hurt. And it doesn't make sense. Like the arc, from my perspective, because I have been reading Daredevil. Yeah. So the yeah. arc, <laughs> <laughs> the arc of him and and Mary has only been the last like two volumes and he is head over heels with her head over heels in love with her. Right. And it doesn't that is, make sense. That is an abrupt shift too. Cause she's been cooped up at that church up until the battle of hell's kitchen, which was in volume four. Okay. And then volume five was, or no, sorry. Volume six was King and black. And so like, you only really have one volume of uh-huh. character growth or arc. But in both of those situations, Fisk is super concerned about Typhoid Mary to the point where like, there's this weird courtship going on in volume five. He like has her over for dinner. Huh. Volume six is King of Black. And he's super worried about her because she goes out and fights the, the goo right. monsters. So in this volume, he proposes. Oh yeah. Okay. Huh. And, like, they both openly admit that, you know, they've tried to kill each other in the past. That This is kind of like, this is really out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but they get engaged. They have a five-week engagement. And their wedding is the last issue of this volume. Oh, whoa. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's fast. I agree. <laughs> so it just doesn't, I don't know. So... Okay. Daredevil's going to have a Daredevil story, but what was really standing out to me was the Fisk's, Fisk's yeah. getting in over his head and like all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And this just felt weird. So Daredevil's in jail, and in this story, he gets out. But he was pretty gung-ho on being in jail. Exactly. It was his idea. 
Okay. Yeah. So there is, okay, there, I guess there are a couple of interesting pieces. So Daredevil is convinced that there is something shady going on at the prison. The warden has been trying to kill Daredevil this entire time. It's not working. Yeah. But he finds out about this drug that they're making. It's called Resid, R-E-C-I-D. It increases violent antisocial behavior. Prisoners getting out would be dosed with it. They'd go back to their neighborhoods and transmit it to others. It gets weaker as it gets transmitted, so the effects rarely leave the neighborhoods. But it does the job. Brings more arrests, more prisoners for their prison. And it's all about the bottom line. It's all about fucking money. Mm. It's all the prison population keeps growing, private, public, it doesn't even matter. More prisons mm-hmm. mean more jobs, higher employment numbers, so everyone looks good. Prisoners don't even freaking count toward unemployment numbers. Yeah. Nobody wants fewer prisoners, Cole. So what the fuck are we doing? So that was interesting. That's um it's, oh, it's great to put a yeah, great critique of the prison industrial complex. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I yeah. mean, cause 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 this is the thing, like yeah. We're kind of doing this this whole like Deadpool or sorry Deadpool Daredevil <laughs> killed somebody Deadpool kills people all the time this Daredevil killed somebody arc in a, in a sense on referendum on police violence right like we're mm-hmm. taking this character who you know is a public servant protector yada 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 he killed somebody he feels remorseful which isn't always the case he wants to serve the punishment for what he's done which is almost never the case but <laughs> and and now we're kind of running into the limits of like well i wonder how this affects how he feels about his own non-killing stance too if his answer is uh-huh. like believing in the courts believing in the justice system you know sending these bad guys to prison or whatever it's like, oh, prison is this horrendous, dehumanizing place where, you know, people are just, like, systematically destroyed over years and and just turned into non-people. Mm-hmm. I wonder what effect this will have on his own yeah. mission and sense of himself. It's crazy. Like, I didn't even, I never thought about it, but I didn't know that prisoners don't count towards unemployment numbers. And, like, yeah. that absolutely makes sense. Well, also like, the, I mean, you know, the, the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery said abolish slavery basically except for prisoners, except as <laughs> a punishment for crime. And that's why, like, prisoners are exempt from, like, a lot of human rights <laughs> legislation or, you know, like minimum wage. You can pay yeah, prisoners less than minimum wage. Yeah, $1 an hour wages. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. It's like these are... Yeah, the, the whole system perpetuates itself to get free and cheap labor and for for some people and higher paying jobs for others in an extremely racist way. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's crazy, dude. So the reason why he found out about that, one, because of his super hearing, but two, because mm-hmm. prisoners were dying and it was publicly listed as Pat died during manual labor offsite oh and not dying because of these drug tests mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but this resid drug is super interesting to me hmm. just that it it makes you aggressive yeah and you can transmit it but it 
Mm. It decreases in potency as you transmit. Sure. And that's how you get your prisoners back. Like that's right. That's wild. That's absolutely <laughs> wild. Yeah. Anyway, so Daredevil is dealing with this. It's basically a jailbreak, but he stays. So he's had enough when he figures out this drug thing. So he takes over the prison, <laughs> gets, gets everyone out of prison, but he doesn't let anyone leave. And then creates this whole thing. Uh, there's no demands have been made. And then he, he hears Cole's heartbeat. And so he lets Cole come in. And that's mm-hmm. when they have the whole conversation about everything. Yeah. And then Cole lets it out that Bullseye is out. Oh. And Cole's like, what? So at the end of last volume, Bullseye got out of whatever containment he was in. Sure. And so Electra's trying to deal with it. And in a one-on-one situation, it's kind of a toss-up on who's going to win. But we find out that there are three Bullseyes. Mm-hmm. Bullseye has been getting cloned. Oh, no. And that's, that's not a good... Yeah, because, turns out, Fisk wants a Bullseye that he can control. And okay. he is... <laughs> bullseye Prime is so psychotic that mind control or mind wiping is not going to work. And so his scientists come up with a theory of, well, if we clone him, then we can start fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Start with a fresh mind. (laughs) That's that's the exact opposite of what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, So they get as far as three clones or two clones plus the original before he gets out (laughs) oh my god but learning about bullseye was all daredevil needed to drop his whole burn it down crusade and go and deal with that instead and so now he has an actual jailbreak (laughs) so i kind of like the idea that you know he would want to get out because he realizes what a terrible thing prison is primarily rather than like oh i have to go be a superhero again like that's not right that's not really him like changing or learning any lessons in fact exactly going going back on the thing that exactly all about before yes and he was building up this whole like i need to well it wasn't okay his original thing was he wanted to out the prison right on specifically this prison on the bullshit that they're doing and the drug that they're making yep not even doing the whole prison complex yeah. industry thing, yeah. which maybe might've been the next step. Sure. I don't know. Cause there is, I mean, he's done this level of litigation type stuff before where yep. he made it. So superhero ing was legal. Okay. And that was like a whole paradigm shift for a little bit. Yep. But yeah, like that would have been super cool. But no, Bullseye got involved, and now Matt's like, okay, well, I got to get out. <laughs> yeah, that that is yeah. unfortunate. So Electra does her thing. Daredevil gets out and does his thing. Daredevil and Electra <sighs> stop the fun. So, okay, Electra convinces Bullseye Prime to get the two clone Bullseyes to kill each other. 
<laughs> playing playing on his pride, basically being like, you can't even beat me by yourself. And he's like, fuck that. So he has the other two go. And then a team up between Electro and Data will stop him. Fantastic Four. Well, yeah, the Fantastic Four, Iron Man and Spider-Man show up a little bit late, but it's what's done is done. And the police are like, Daredevil, you gotta go back to prison, guy. Yeah. And it's like hands in the air, blah, blah, blah. You're still a fugitive and you'll put your hands behind your back now. And then Spider-Man shows up. He's like, no, you're not doing this. Daredevil oh. just exposed killers in your system, helped capture a mass murderer. And that was just today. What have you done? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yo, Spider-Man. <laughs> So thing is like stretch. I got to say this whole thing feels like we're on the edge of a cliff. You need to be careful. And it ends. That's, that's the issue that ends with Fisk proposing to. Okay. Whatever her name is. (laughs) Right. Typhoid. Yeah. And the last issue of the volume starts with Matt still, even with the, protection or backing of superheroes still goes back. He willingly surrendered. Altercation has been seen by millions online, prompting heated discussions. Do superheroes believe they're above the law? Mm. Because all the superheroes were like, no, Daredevil's out. <laughs> right, right. But he goes back in for five weeks and he's he's let out. Five-week engagement for Fisk right. and... And Mary. Perfect timing. Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. Electra picks up Matt from, from the prison. Mm-hmm. They hook up in a river. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, the other storyline that's been progressing is do you remember Mike Murdoch? Right. His yeah. Twin the, brother. The, the twin that wasn't real, but then was made real via magic by the Norn Stones. Yeah. Yeah. So he and Butch, Butch being Butch. Fisk, son oh wait fisk's son butch i was thinking of yes not okay. butch from the skateboard oh, no. gang no okay <laughs> i was thinking of butch from gotham and there was no and there's no way you would have known that reference not but anyway chance, no <laughs> but yeah butch is uh his name is his name is richard but he goes by butch butch and mike are making a move to become Basically, the kingpin, but with, or at least take over Hell's Kitchen, I think, with hmm. with no bloodshed. So Butch has been getting Lizzie Ebris's trust. She is appointed by Fisk to be the kingpin, and she is like basically the right hand man for Fisk. Sure. And basically. Fisk goes to Butch and he's like, without saying as many words, he basically says, I know who you are. I know what you're trying to do. If you're going to go through with this, timetables are not in your favor. Mm. And so, and that's all he needed to say to get Butch nervous. And Mike is like, yo, we're going to do this bloodless. And he's like, yeah, I know, but uh, I'll see you later. (laughs) And it ends with Butch meeting Izzy in the forest and then shooting her. Oh. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes, I guess. Okay. <laughs> and then Daredevil 
gets confronted by Reed. And basically, I wanted to talk. The video of myself and others trying to defend you from police is starting a conversation. One that I don't want, that I don't think many of us want to have about the yeah. extraordinary leeway we get. Nobody wants a repeat of the Superhero Registration Act. Yeah. Your case and what you do not and what you do now that you're out could define our relationship with everyday citizens for decades. Mm-hmm. And he says, what's right? And he says, I don't, what? I don't know what you're saying. It's simple, Read. You're worried about obstacles, optics that could make your life harder. That's noise. That's the devil drowning out what's right. You're a smart guy, the smartest even. But maybe you need to stop using that brain of yours for looking at all the angles and instead ask yourself, what's right? So this is like a reborn daredevil yeah, to yeah. some degree. Interesting. I don't know where that's going to go. No kidding. And then the last piece is Daredevil confronts Fisk. And he's just like, listen, I've tried to stop you 85 different ways. <laughs> None of them have worked. You always, you always get back up. We've both done time. And yet we both come back to who we were after unchanged. Nothing stops you. I'll th- I've thrown down with you. And the song remains the same. But there's one thing I haven't tried happiness maybe that's the key the thing is uh the thing you and i have both missed seeing after all these years maybe the way to stop you is to let you be happy so congratulations to you and mary i hope you both found what you're looking for huh okay so i don't think it'll work because comics but i like it mm-hmm. as an angle yeah so mary and and wilson get married electra is still rocking her daredevil suit Mm-hmm. And Daredevil's going around. And it ends with Fisk and Mary are at one of Fisk's old cabins a week later on their honeymoon. And Fisk has this folder that says Daredevil Identity. And all of the pages are blank. Because Electra asked Matt how he got the world to forget. And mm-hmm. he was like, it wasn't me. It was... The purple children, the son, the kids of Purple Man. Yep. And so now people like have frames of references, but if they see like if they pull up an old, pull up old cases or old like newspaper clippings and stuff, they either see something else or they see nothing. Huh. And 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 he was like, How did you find? How do you remember? And she was like, I died. <laughs> so <laughs> does that a lot. Because it's true. I mean, yeah. that's what we saw that in like volume three, I think. Yeah. But anyway, so it just showed proof in the pudding that Fisk had that written down somewhere. And it's just blank now. And he's like frustrated about it. But then that's how it ends. So yeah, just. Daredevil being in jail, I guess, was not a great play. Yeah. I feel like Zdarsky wanted the the message of, like, having a Daredevil being like, I deserve to be in jail. I'm going to follow this through. And and, and that sort of inner conflict of somebody who is a vigilante while believing so deeply in the law. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I guess he just, like, ran out of ideas. Yeah. Didn't want to go through the actual consequences of pursuing this. I find that a lot in stories that are trying to be topical. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's like one of my complaints with something like 
the Falcon, the Winter Soldier show. It's like we want to point at all of these things and say, hey, look, we're addressing this. But then once it comes to actually like trying to figure out, like take the problem seriously and, and have your characters working on fixing them, you, you they shy away from actually right going there. Yeah. And that's I mean, ugh. that's part of the thought process behind my conversation that I want to have with the ex- ethics uh, guys of just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you don't introduce superheroing <laughs> you know what can the people that we have that have superpowers what yeah. what might they do totally instead like Luke Cage is all about drug reform and right. like that's that's his thing in Harlem mm-hmm. but because Every 10 years, you have to reset the world. <laughs> you can't have any like <laughs> lasting drug reform, but I bet he right. could do something real. <laughs> right, totally. But yeah, so Daredevil's out. Or just like, or just like, you know, he starts building like safe injection sites and needle exchange program buildings with his hands. In a day, <laughs> you right? know, it's like let's let's utilize your superhero powers for the thing that you ideologically are trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. instead of just punching people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Daredevil's out of out of jail. Mary and Fisk are married now. Electro's still doing the Daredevil thing. Butch has officially killed, and Izzy, who we've spent the last seven volumes following her arc, now. Mm-hmm. No longer has an arc. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Miles Morales is... Okay. Miles right. Morales. So, Miles Morales, it's only four issues. Last time we talked about those three clones that he was dealing with. Two of them died. And then the last one is Shift. And he's big. He's a big guy. Okay. And then he and Starling hit it off. Starling is the African-American granddaughter of Adrian Toomes. Mm, okay. The vulture. Right. So she is at least three quarters African-American. <laughs> sure. Sorry, at most three quarters. Yeah. And, oh, and his baby sister is born. So. Right. What is there worth talking about? He's got like school life, just kind of whatever. He and, he and Genki, gon- mm-hmm. Gonke, it's spelled Gonke, Gonke. Yeah. G-A-N-K-E, but like in the video yeah. game, they call him Genki, so whatever. Okay. He and Genki track down Shift to try to stabilize his molecules, his DNA, and turns out he has already been stabilized because in the last volume, his little sister sneezed on him. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing like a bioscan on him and seeing that he has just a really strong immune system and antibodies and white blood cells. And that seems to be bouncing him off because when she sneezed on him, he probably didn't ever wash it off. And so his body reacted to those pathogens or whatever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's weird, but whatever. (laughs) It was one of those like two page solving issues (laughs) that they just needed to get out of the way. Sure. Yeah. His, Costume is completely torn the F up. Mm. And there's this kid, Kenneth, who had offered to make a new costume for him. Okay. And so he hits Kenneth up. Miles helped Kenneth get this Van Dyne fashion mentorship. Hmm. 
So Kenneth is, I'm going to say nine non-binary. Okay. The mom refers to them as they, them. Cool. And Kenneth wears like a dress and prep, like primarily female clothing. Sure. Mm -hmm. They designed new suit for, for miles and he looks good. Awesome. So it's like six with the black and red. Mm -hmm. A lot more red on the limbs though. Yes. And then the top is kind of like a hoodie. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then it also has like a turtleneck pullover to like over that could go over his mouth Mm -hmm. just as like a design thing. It doesn't really serve any function or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. it's a cool look. Cool. Moving on, you get a handful of scenes of Miles helping the everyday person because that's what Spider-Man does. Meets up with Starling and turns out he's there being watched by Taskmaster. Oh. Taskmaster is taking them down. Turns out Taskmaster was hired to take to kidnap Starling and not Miles. Takes her to <laughs> takes her to a boat. <laughs> and Miles tries, does his first venom jump. Oh. It's a move that apparently now that I see him trying it for the first time, was introduced in Miles Morales Spider-Man, the PS4 game, PS5 game. Oh, okay. And it's basically using your Venom, the his Venom Blast to like shoot him and do a super jump kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Real video game kind of. Super video gamey. Yeah. So one of his clones did it last volume. Mm. And that inspired him to try it for himself in this volume. Okay. So, you know, last volume came out at the end of last year. Miles Morales Spider-Man came out like three years ago <laughs> or two years ago. So <laughs> yeah. video game did it first. But anyway, Taskmaster misses the agreed upon time to deliver Starling. So we don't know who hired him and he's now leaving. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But it ends with <laughs> Miles being served papers for he is by operating as Spider-Man, he is violating their client's legally owned trademark. By law, you are required to relinquish use of the Spider-Man name and likeness immediately. And he's being sued by the Beyond Corporation. More Beyond Corporation. Jeez. Exactly. So next mm. next week I'm gonna read Spider-Man Beyond because mm. this is the title that i didn't know if it was 616 or not gotcha. and then it has been referenced multiple times yeah okay so i went back and bought volume four is coming out this week so i have one two and three up there i moved oh. one up so i'm gonna read it next week nice. but beyond is ben riley spider-man oh cool you're not just gonna binge the whole thing for for one episode <laughs> no i'm gonna spread okay. it out okay but we will be getting volume one next week. Cool. Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman. Okay. So the cure thing was a thing. Yeah. Turn. So, okay. Man. What's worth talking about here? <laughs> she goes back to her old costume. Okay. And she gets the costume made by the same woman that she came across in like volume one, which she was, that woman was hired by her mom to make a suit that has a tracking device in it. Right. 
it's also so it's Big Ronnie's custom battle spandex is the name of the shop. Mm-hmm. She's also the one that made Gwenpool's costume. Right. But anyway, so she goes back to her old costume with it's got a it's got a couple of upgrades. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the yellow on her costume operate as like headlights. Okay. <laughs> they like glow in the middle of the night for some reason that she doesn't understand why. Mm-hmm. The little glider wings that she has. Yeah. She can, they are detachable and she can use them like Katan, Katana's fans from Mortal Kombat. Right. Huh. Okay. Weird. So that's new. Yeah. <laughs> She's been living with Roger, who used to be D-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And they've been kind of together. This and then the other thing, she's, you know, she refuses to let Roger help because he's in charge of keeping an eye on Jerry and she ignores Roger all the time. And so he was going to propose, but then he decided to leave. Okay. And it was really abrupt. Like, <laughs> not the proposal, but the leaving. So... Yeah, we found out in the first issue he was going to propose, and then story, 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 story. Yeah, she's fighting, fighting, fighting. She's fighting these two brothers that aren't worth going into. If they come back again later, I'll <laughs> talk about them. But okay. they basically have these two enchanted swords that have a spirit of anger and stuff <laughs> in them, sure. and if you use both swords, you'll get consumed by it. But be the Two of them can <laughs> control it together. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Anyway, so you have the conclusion of the fight. Okay. You have this like two page. It's we've spent the entire issue doing this. The <laughs> next page, the next page is Roger being like, you're never gonna, can you honestly? say that you feel about me the way I feel about you. And then uh, he walks out and she says, I'm so sorry. Uh, like, okay. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't even have, it doesn't <laughs> even have like a meanwhile or later. It's yeah. just, it's that just, ended. yeah. It's it, it like, it, it has the brother getting like locked up by the authorities. She's mm-hmm. saying, God, stop making it weird. I'm going home. Have fun with your brother in jail on account of all the bank robberies. As she's walking away, holding her head. And <laughs> the next page what? starts with her dropping her coffee mug, having this conversation of, you don't love me. Oof. And him walking out. Uh, Excuse okay. me. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> Coupled with the next page is the brothers in jail six months later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the brothers cut off the hand of the other brother and they're in the Rikers mechanic shop building the brother a new hand. Okay. If you really want to know their name is Los Espadas Gemalas. Gemalas. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so... I don't know why that happened, but then (laughs) (laughs) a series of assassins get hired to steal something from Jessica. Mm -hmm. The first being Fireball, who looks... Okay, the first page of every issue is super stylized. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I like that. Super flashy. It's I like cool. That a lot. Yeah. And then this is this is also the title where the last page always has a spider in the art. Oh yeah. And that's still going on, so that's cool. But anyway, Fireball gets knocked out, uh, steals steals the formula on a f- disk drive that Jessica may need in order to save Jerry if he inherits the same sickness that she previously had. Okay. So Jessica's pissed. So she chases Fireball. Fireball gets to the drop-off point and passes the drive to Bruiser, who is a giant to super strong luchador type. Okay. Sure. He he throws a horse at (laughs) Jessica. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. It's, yeah. (laughs) She's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she says, I can't believe you threw a fucking horse at me. But she complains about it the entire rest of the volume. (laughs) You said all these mercenaries at me. One of them threw a horse. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't happen every day. So she's chasing Bruiser. Bruiser gets to his pass-off point, which is to Lady Bullseye. Jessica confronts Lady Bullseye. She's like, hey, look, new costume. I almost didn't recognize you without, you know, a boob hanging out. Because her original (laughs) original design was basically what her costume is now, but the white wasn't cloth. Right. It was just like her skin. Yep. And like it was like this like black spiral that ended on the tip of her breast. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. She's she's covered up. Anyway, Lady Bullseye gets wrecked, but we end up finding out that her brother Michael is the one that hired all these people. And you're like, why? <laughs> Dude. Uh-huh. <sighs> <laughs> Turns oh, then Lindsay McCabe now shows up. Oh, okay. They've been friends that long, long, long time friend of of yes, like a bunch of X Men comics that Spider that Jessica Drew cameoed in back in the eighties. Lindsay McCabe was 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 in yeah. Uh, she's introduced as occasional actress, stunt woman, and one of Jessica Drew's best friends. Recently relocated from Los Angeles to help Jessica with her son Jerry. So we are down one Roger and we are now up a Lindsay. Okay. You got to keep that supporting cast light, I suppose. Yeah. Why not? O- only room for one non-superheroing related, you know, interpersonal mm-hmm. relationship at once. And so we get introduced to Michael's girlfriend slash secretary, Rose Roche. Turns out Rose is the one who hired the assassins behind Michael's back. Okay. The reason why they did it is because they found out that the code was coded to destroy itself after it gets access once. Mm. And Michael Marchand, owner of Marchand Pharmaceuticals, they're like, we could use this for so much more than just my daughter. So they didn't want to take chances just using it directly on his daughter for the first pull, even though it was tried and true and, and it's what saved Jessica. Yeah. And so Rose offered herself up to be the first test subject. 
she ended up getting basically the same powers as as Jessica. Mm. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. However, comma <laughs> destroyed itself. And so we need to take Jessica's copy. Okay. To save Rebecca. Oh, okay. So all of Jessica Drew's like interesting conflicts are about like everything that's cool about Jessica Drew is like her weird past with, you know, who like what the hell Hydra and to, shield yeah, and, Hydra and shield yeah. and you know just all this weird machinations to become what she is and all of the conflicts in this title are about her powers mm-hmm. which are extremely boilerplate as far as like superhero origins go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just just noticing a theme here <laughs> <laughs> so she's fighting rose all the while, Michael gets a similar treatment that's like part what what they could salvage from the code, plus what they put together, plus Marchand formula, which was what made Jessica sick in the first place, mm. like a, a smorgasbord. And he got the power and he went power hungry. He lost his hair, <laughs> but he can also, his eyes turned green and his hands turned black and he can now shoot webbing out of his fingertips like silk. Okay. Yeah. Oh, also you can call him Aeternum now. A E T U R N U M. Okay. I think that's a type of spider. Okay. Rebecca gets involved and saves Jessica to a degree. Jessica's a really good hand-to-hand combatant and yeah. this stood out to me because I didn't think she ever was like, what do you think about it? She was a shield agent and a Hydra agent sure. and she's a superhero. So like, she's going to be at least competent, right. but like it throws me off when you have someone who is title character, a fighting right. antagonist B who is a martial artist mm. and holds their own. Sure. I just, it just always throws me off. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, there's a bunch of scenes where Jess is like doing precision strikes and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> she was a brawler in my head and yeah. not, she's, she's more of a Luke Cage and not an Iron Fist. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's, that's me just looking for things to complain about. <laughs> anyway, so Rebecca is, she just had her 16th birthday last year which is where Jessica got hired to bodyguard for in volume one. Right. Okay. She is a third year in she's, Oh, sorry. She's been in college for three years, but she's already got her masters. She's very, she's very smart. She's also now 17. But anyway, she has a safe house on ESU campus. She's been using this safe house to create a superhero suit for herself. Because why not? It ends with Rebecca and Jessica fighting Rose and Michael. This is what Michael looks like now, by the way. Okay. Wow. Actually, he kind of reminds me of Transmetropolitan. <laughs> Spider Jerusalem? I guess I yeah. can kind of see these bald and he has tattoos. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's what know, else? I mean, he doesn't have the creepy. glasses. No, <laughs> and it's got this like all black eyeshadow thing going on, and a blank, demented stare out into the world, and yeah, it's very probably not on very entertaining drugs. <laughs> yeah, so they get paired off. They fight. Good guys win. Bad guys lose. Rebecca uses the full Marchand formula to uh, on Rose to depower her. Mm-hmm. Rebecca makes the decision to let them go and not put them away in jail. And that's it. Like, oh, there's one side comment made that Martian, Martian uh, Pharmaceuticals has a softball team and they play against X-Corp and get their asses <laughs> handed to them every time. <laughs> and they don't understand why mutants are so good at softball. Because <laughs> they fucking play all the time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like every so, three issues for the entire 19-year Claremont run, they're playing a game <laughs> of baseball. Yeah. So Rebecca says that she's not going to do the superhero thing. She's going to take over Martian Pharmaceuticals and try to make a good name for it. She asks Jess if she'll play on the mm-hmm. team. That's cool. kind of that. And then, so okay. I thought that was going to be the end, but it says to be continued with ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Sure. No, no, sure. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> Let it be done. But yeah, I don't so know. That's just, what you read this week. Yeah. No books that blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Should we uh, amble over to uh last little segment here to close things out? Yeah, let's let's um, yeah, let's 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 talk about things in the MCU that have influenced 616. Yeah, and this is kind of an ongoing conversation topics uh, that we've had in the pod. So we're going to, you yeah. know, I'll skip over the big. No, no, no. Let's let's recap some of it. No, you know, every episode okay. is somebody's first, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And, and it'll be it'll do us well to, you know, actually get into some of these versus just like. Offhanded griping, unless there is one that we've really got into before, and we'll just say, "Yeah, we've talked about this." I feel like I've talked. To, well, on Twitch, I've talked about Black Fury. You've talked about Black Fury times. on the pod too. You've also talked to me about yeah. Black Fury in person. You've talked to me about yes. Black Fury <laughs> in game night chat. You've talked to me about Black Fury on, you know, with the ethics superhero ethics guy. You talk about Black Fury yeah. a lot, but let's 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 do the recap. He. Dude, that's nepotism at its best. He's earned way too much. So, okay. So, to be clear, the change is Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe was modeled after Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh More or less, just like blatantly. And then they Secondly, he originally looked way more like a Denzel. Oh, really? Yeah. His first Mm. appearance in Ultimate Spider-Man, he was very much a generic black guy. Kind of looked like... Oh God! What is in Hey Arnold? His friend <laughs> Gerald looked like the adult version of what Gerald would look like because he had kind of that high top cut. Oh, okay, sure. And then the next time you see him is in Ultimates, and he is very distinctly Samuel Jackson. Interesting. Okay. To the point where they have a conversation in Ultimates about, hey, if they made a movie about us, what <laughs> what actors would play us? Oh, no. And he says, obviously, Samuel L. Jackson. And oh, then there's an interview 
that talks about the actors that they based the Ultimates on. Oh, and God. obviously Samuel Jackson was that. Like, it, it was not yeah. a coincidence. No, and it was not subtle. No. And so after that, they ended up casting Samuel L. Jackson, obviously, as Nick Fury in the MCU. And then following mm-hmm. the success of that, and this is, you know, kind of... 616. Yeah, this is the pattern that we're going to be talking about is the editors in the comics are like, oh, a hundred times as many people watch our movies as read our comic books. And we want to, <laughs> you know, we want to have a, a soft landing spot for new readers to, to join. And so some things we want to make a little bit more like the movies in order to have them be recognizable, understandable to new readers. Uh-huh. So they introduced a new character also named Nick Fury. Well, eventually also named Nick Fury. Junior. Eventually. His name is Marcus, Marcus Johnson. Right. He's introduced in this story, Battle Scars, if anyone wants to go and look for it. Mm-hmm. With Cheese. Who ended up being... Phil Coulson. Coulson. Yeah. So he's introduced. He quickly kind of takes over the spot as, you know, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. all around working in the background, you know, Nick Fury kind of character for Marvel 616. And Nick Fury Sr. is kind of relocated to background duty for quite a while. Well, okay. So Nick Fury Sr. ends up becoming the witness. Or the unseen, right. the unseen, but but he's, he's literally he's not seen, right? <laughs> he's just kind of he has a role, and everybody can feel good about that. But you don't, yeah, see him. He's he's out in for all intents and purposes. He's out of the comics. But Nick Fury Junior. never actually becomes the head of Shield. Ah, he's always like right hand man, second mm. in command to mm-hmm. Maria Hill. Sure, he has his own like division. Yeah, like. Sharon Carter gets her team and section. Nick Fury Jr. gets his team and section. Yeah. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. gets dismantled. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone. Right. Okay. And he's basically just like CIA now. Okay. For the sake of pushing my fucking glasses up, I guess. Okay. But he does, (laughs) he takes the similar role, right? Yes. He's he's the the secret agent, man. He's the secret agent man, and they write out Nick Fury Sr. Yes. Yeah, so your your gripe with this was less that they introduced this new character to be more like the comics, and more that he got his job through nepotism and not through personal <laughs> qualifications. He is not qualified for the character <laughs> that he is. Yeah. The, Nick Fury, like... And Nick that's Fury kind of the senior problem, is, is a World War II hero. He's he's and then he's been a spy for you know half a century, and he has an infinity formula. He doesn't age. He's been doing this forever. You literally he's the cannot, man on the wall. You cannot match his like qualifications. Well, so the the problem is MCU Nick Fury mm. is aesthetically Nick Fury Junior. Right. But his resume yes. is Nick Fury Sr. Correct. Yeah. And so when you have maybe minus both World War II references, <laughs> right. <laughs> when you have both references in the comics, yeah. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't for doesn't, sure, for sure. Like all of Nick Fury Jr.'s storylines so far are like 
him figuring shit out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or like going on missions and having cool gadgets. Like he's he's been relegated to like Mission Impossible James Bond. Right. And right. not the like wheels within wheels Nick Fury that we've mm-hmm. had in the past. Right. It's just it's a and downgrade. That's a, that's and a that's bummer. what makes me sad. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Do you have anything more to say on uh on Nick Fury Jr. or should we continue? No, nah, this is a this is the most tender dead horse I've ever beat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The the next obvious one is the color of the infinity gems slash yes. stones. No, I get it from a like. So to to, to to recap, they changed the color that each infinity gem is from six one six, which had been yeah. established for decades to match decades the 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 color that they had made all of them in in the MCU. Right, which which makes me question the mcu of just like why did you feel like you had to do that yeah why did you why did why did you fuck up well oh i guess i know why Why? so it starts with the space stone because they made the tesseract the space stone and the cosmic cube is blue and they wanted it to be the same thing right yeah 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 okay that that makes sense it's it's yes yeah it's dumb (laughs) (laughs) but it matches the color and they just kind of i think i feel like they just had to roll with it after they realized what they did yeah yeah that makes sense like i think and by realize it makes it sound like they stumbled upon this idea i think they did the first one and they're like oh well okay (laughs) (laughs) like it was it it was realized early on is just right dumb yeah and they had to they had to go through some giant hoops in order to, yeah. So it, it's that's not gonna you know ruin any anything. No, it's just slightly like itching, itching at the back of your throat. Right. Like, come on. Well, so yeah, and so they changed they changed the colors when they brought the Infinity Stones back in the comics to the right. point where the Guardians of the Galaxy were like. Wasn't this a different color before? Right. Yeah, it and was. That's, Why that's do you think not that even. That's that's not even like you know. That's just to to lampshade it. It doesn't actually do anything. Right. It's just it's just weird. Yeah. It, it's like milk all of a sudden being blue because Star Wars has blue milk, and so <laughs> all of a sudden our milk just in reality just turns blue. And somebody somewhere is going to be like, didn't milk used to be white? <laughs> and people are going to be like, yeah, but it's blue now. All right. All right. <laughs> it's, it was, it's so strange. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. 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 It, okay. It, of, all the, of all the, like, big changes, that one, I feel like, is the most acknowledged and accepted within universe. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you, where do you want to go next? We could talk about characters. I was going to say, I've got a few written down there, yeah. Most obvious being Peter Quill, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, there's character design, and yeah. there's character personality. Yeah. yeah. And Peter Quill... Both of those. 
huge change. Yeah. Huge change. Even, yeah. even down to the like overcoat that he wears. Right. Yeah. But like he was the stoic guy. He was the serious one of the guardians to be the other the side contrast. of the coin to yeah. Nova. Right. Who is but we don't have a Nova. Right. <laughs> In I, like the MCU. I you know I don't mind it. It's not a big deal. But like old quote unquote old guardians. My my guardians are like the Abnet and Landing Guardians right. from early two thousands. Right. Not Guardians three thousand from like right. forty years ago. Right. But those guardians had conflicting personalities that worked and bounced off of each other. And the humor was one or two characters that played well within the dynamic. You had a comic, you had characters who were comic relief rather than setting up the whole thing to be uh, a comedy. Mm -hmm. And now you have Drax. Drax was funny. Right. It was it was just Rocket as as comic Rocket and Groot. Yeah, Rocket does boom, you're dead. Boom, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And that got drastically changed. And you know what? They needed they needed funny, and I think that the or just just something that wasn't like oh, it's an action movie, but we have quips. But like, no, this is just this is just a comedy. Like, yeah. I guess Ant-Man fills a similar role, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is literally just a, you know, a Paul Rudd comedy movie. He just oh, happens yeah. to be a superhero. But I I like it. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's I, different. It 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 works for me. I like different just in general, mm-hmm. but also like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It just it sets it apart. It it it's different. From what it was, but it's also different from everything else. And and I appreciate that. Yeah. One thing that I guess one change that I'm glad they haven't made, and I don't think mm. they can, mm. is Mantis. Yeah. They have not changed comic Mantis to reflect <laughs> MCU Mantis. That's true. Yeah. And there's no way that I think they could. Well, I also yes. I also don't <laughs> think that they're they're just ever gonna give mantis the screen the the panel time the page time that you know that mcu mantis has had i don't know i guess she was a big part of empire right (laughs) yeah i mean she's only the celestial madonna but yeah i mean but that's such a like that's such a sidelined role like you're you're it was yeah and then empire happened okay yeah and so like her whole thing with resurrected swordsman but she was a she was a player on Abnet and Landings. She Abnett was and Landings Guardians, yeah. and I think that's an aspect that I've missed from Guardians of late. Is mm. Abnet and Landings Guardians had a larger roster? Interesting, or a, like a more like changing roster for different arcs, sure. like Bug. And mm-hmm. Cosmo would hang out more. Yeah, Bug and Cosmo were great. Yeah. More uh, like, you know, Adam Warlock. Warlock. Yeah. Adam Warlock, Moon Dragon, which is mm. now back. Yeah. Quasar. Yep. Both Quasars. Philavel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just like all yeah. these players were more entwined. Richard in the story. Ryder Nova. Yeah. A lot of. Yeah. Yeah. 
but a lot of a lot of, a lot has happened outside of just the MCU that right. makes it so it's a little bit harder to do. Totally. And and it's it's also just hard to have a movie with that many. Like I felt like the Guardians roster just for the length of a movie was getting crowded w- with the additions of like Mantis and like a bigger role for Yondu. Like it was a yeah. lot of characters to keep track of across, right. you know, two hours or whatever. For sure. Yeah. And, and for, for movies, that's absolutely fine. Right. I don't, I don't even know as far as the point of this conversation, <laughs> Yeah, I'm where not did sure we go where here? I was going with it, but yeah. <laughs> it, so we, we went from, we went from change of characterization to, of Peter Quill to, to just change, change to, well, to just t- change of tone for guardians in general. Yes. You know, going from because because you had to establish cosmic MCU, and, and yes. so you 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 know you get this James Gunn, you know, like sort of, but also you know your standard sort of like space western exploratory. Mm-hmm. You get to see a bunch of things with new eyes, and there's the visual spectacle element of wonder versus like in the comics, these things have been you know established for half a century now and Mm -hmm. some of this shit is kind of old hat like you see the supreme intelligence for the first you know and you're like cool i know this guy Mm. you know versus like holy shit it's a giant tube of face (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) or you see nowhere for the first time and it's you know yeah those, so those are kind of the big ones. So I guess there's another one. Characterization of Fisk. I don't think he... I, I never read, read anything of him with nearly as much depth as was explored in the MCU show. And now you've got Zdarsky's Daredevil run having this really deep character study of Wilson Fisk that I had never encountered before. Yeah. Yeah, Fisk, it's funny because he was introduced as a Spider-Man villain, mm-hmm. but he works perfectly as a Daredevil villain. Exactly, yep. Just someone who uses the system to their own legal gain and, yep. you know, without being able to provide proof of wrongdoing, and he's going to keep on getting away. Yeah. And that was the extent of Fisk. Right. He, he was the counter to Matt Murdock Daredevil, and he only ever hired assassins. So he was never like that involved. And Netflix, Vincent D'Onofrio rolls up and is like, just knocks it let's, out. Of the uh, park. Let's explore yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was, uh, was it Punisher Max that had a like the rise of Kingpin of how mm. he like, rose up through the the magia kind of made a name for himself sure he created the legend of kingpin as like this shadow figure and then became the role after yeah that that's that's dope right and so you know that was a cool explore but it wasn't 616 sure so yeah there's definitely an argument to be had that the netflix show definitely created a need or desire in 616 <laughs> to explore 
more about what Fisk can bring to the table. Do you think, because you've read the the Zdarsky Daredevil run and I haven't, do you think that they lifted elements of that character and that persona directly from D'Onofrio's, you know, sort of like the vulnerability and the bleeding into rage that D'Onofrio captured so well? Is that sort of part of the elements of, of this uh, more introspective look at Fisk in the comics? So... I would never have said it myself because mm. I get just it's been I guess for me, it's been so long since I've watched any of the Daredevil stuff mm-hmm. that it's not fresh on my mind. But sure. if someone told me that Zdarsky themed this Fisk off of D'Onofrio's Fisk, I would absolutely believe it. Mm. Like I, I wouldn't draw the conclusion myself. But now that we've had the conversation, that's kind of my headcanon now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> What are some characters who took on a much larger role in the MCU than in comics and suddenly got a much larger profile in comics? Ooh. I feel like there ought to be, but I'm like, I feel like I've had that thought before, but I can't remember. Like Loki, Loki, Loki was, and you know what? Kind of Thanos too. Although Thanos, they've been a little more like you can't use Thanos very often in the comics. But I feel like Loki became a much more prominent character in the comics after his, you know, breakout popularity in the Thor movies and then the Avengers movies. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking back to when, because this is a, we're spanning a lot of comics as far as like time mm-hmm. frame for, to be in, influenced by MCU. Right. And so I'm thinking back to when, the first Thor movie came out and all of the books that came out that were Thor titles in order to like try to play off of that. And like three quarters of them were Loki stories Mm -hmm. or like explorations on the dynamic between Thor and Loki. Totally. And yeah, absolutely. Cause that was, that was after dark rain, but what was it? Fear Itself was 2011. That's what we decided, right? Yeah. So, because Fear he Itself... Didn't, he didn't have to be in that crossover. <laughs> and like, you know, it's no, Norse, know. but it's, it's you know, not fear. No, 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 but no like, yeah. I'm, I'm just, know. I'm placing like, because he had a change of heart in Siege. And in that time period, he had his character arc. And I'm trying to picture when... The like taking over Sif's body and being female, female Loki, yeah, compared to the MCU. I think that was before the MCU, but like a lot of the stuff with kid Loki and then like vote Loki and and that stuff was post yeah. MCU. Yes, yes, it was. Loki's always been the misunderstood type. See, I feel like a lot of that didn't really start until, at least I didn't read much of that until Straczynski's run. run. Like, I feel like he was a much more straightforward mustache twirler going through at least the 90s. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's, uh, like his, like the revelation of his motives have always been after he's been undone. Back in the day. Right. And so it's like, uh, he's, he locked up Odin to sit on 
the throne of Asgard. He loses his throne and he, it turns out that he did it just to prove to Odin that he could be a worthy successor of the throne. And like these quote unquote ulterior motives that weren't exactly uh, just world domination or realm domination kind of a thing. Right. And so I think the main difference is that those motivations got explored before the climax and not, oh yeah, but J- LOL JK kind of thing. Right. The, end. The, the, the method of storytelling definitely updated for Loki post MCU. Yeah. Okay. And just to, to go through a lot of this, like most of the stuff with kid Loki, the journey into mystery book, you know, where it's Loki and Leah, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That started in 2011. I believe that was the year that the Thor movie came out. Yeah. My, yeah. Because Avengers is 2012. Yeah, it was. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Journey into a mystery series was really good. That was Kieran Gillen just absolutely knocked that down and knocked that out of the park. Absolutely. This is less like, this is more a change in how the comics were pub- are published, but you know, every time they, put out an, a tie-in series for a character who doesn't frequently have their own series. You know, like there's a Moon Knight and a Shang-Chi in the, a series right now where they neither of them have right. had consistent series throughout the past. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Shang-Chi is, start, is growing on me with the second volume. The first volume, I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah. As a new title gets released, a new solo gets... Uh, yeah. gets uh, gets made for moon Knight, and and you can go all the way back like dr strange you know with the dr strange movie there are more dr strange comics coming out with the ant-man movie there's you know a paul uh, a, a sorry uh, huh, a um scott lang solo title you know that- i will honestly i will say they they do it for lack of a better phrase they do it correctly now compared to what they used to do mm-hmm. back in phase one with every new title, they were doing like five or six one shots. Oh, interesting. And it was obnoxious mm. as a collector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now they're doing one title with each new announcement, and that that's fine. That works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that is, I think in the end, that'll be a good change for 616. Sure. I do too. I think that, you know, the more the more love that they can give to all of these less published characters, the better. And some of them end up with really great books. Like mm-hmm. when Hawkeye and Black Widow were first introduced in the MCU, you know, that's when you got the Matt Fraction, David Aha, you know, Hawkeye book, which is one of my favorite yeah. comics of all time. You've got you got um <laughs> You got, you know, Phil Noto on uh, Black Widow, which was also fantastic. And in, in neither of them really traditionally had solo titles at all. Yeah. When when Vision got introduced in the MCU, you got the Vision by Tom King, which was amazing. Like, a lot of this just ends up, like, forcing Marvel to do, because they're cycling through characters fast, much faster in movies than they do in comics. 
they have to cast and spotlight so many more characters. And when it feeds back into the comics, it makes them generate even more new ideas for these characters that traditionally haven't gotten a whole lot of love. And you know what? I'm here for it. Yes. Here's the flip side to that. Oh, do you want do you want you have more examples of this? I guess were you gonna start talking about inhumans and mutants? Yes, I was gonna say the flip side of this is sidelining <laughs> characters that they don't have the rights for in the MCU in the comics. Yeah. So Fantastic Four, Namor, and everything related to mutants. Yeah. They there was a huge push in 616 for a good number of years to make Inhumans the new mutants. Yeah. Specifically because Fox had the the movie rights and they're like, cool, we can make, we we have our own mutants at home and the mutants you have yeah. at home are, yeah, as the meme goes. Not <laughs> Even the to the point where Terra Genesis, the whole process that activates the inhuman gene or the, the powers in a person with an inhuman gene, mm-hmm. that cloud, that chemical is Got lethal yeah. to mutants. Yeah. And then was released in the atmosphere. And then, yeah. And so then now you have, you have two giant in- pterogen clouds. Yeah. So you get these latent inhumans who, who just spontaneously develop powers in their puberty years, like mutants do, and it's literally <laughs> lethal to mutants, so they have to fuck off to, uh, where did they go, the Mars or something? The blue area of the moon? They, they went off-planet. They were going to go off-planet. Oh, okay, they didn't do I I didn't read this, so. So what, there's one mutant whose mutant power was alchemy, and mm. he went through one of the giant green clouds and changed it inert. But right. in doing so, he died. Sure. Because that you because they were also under, you know, strict orders to not introduce new mutant characters who they wouldn't have the rights for. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. they're like, so, oh, let's introduce this guy. Oh, we've got to kill him off. Yeah. So they have Inhumans, who primarily is like the royal family. Right. And then this giant cloud goes and creates a new generation of Inhumans, which they're calling new humans. <sighs> the likes of which we've seen in the MCU now, with Kamala Khan showing up later. Mm-hmm. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you got Lash, and we saw Flint, and oh, there's one other one. I mean, we also got like Yo-Yo and some of the Secret Warriors. Yeah, were turned into. uh, They might have been in humans previously. Yeah, and yeah, because I don't think Quake was an Inhuman originally. Yeah, I don't know. She is now though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, all of the Agents of Shield now exist in six one six. Yeah, they had a two volume story called Agents of Shield, where you had Fitzsimmons, you had Agent May. Yeah, it's not a big deal, but that's a another yeah MCU influence change. Yeah, gosh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, Yondu is a huge change. Oh, really? Oh, the yeah, original they, Yondu. They they they, cre- they just created you know present day Yondu six one six Yondu who didn't who was was only a, a year three thousand character previously. Yeah, yeah, Guardians three thousand Yondu is a centurion. 
He's blue. Also, is our Yondu, but right. He's blue. He has a giant fin, and he has his Yaka arrows that he controls with his fin. So, mm-hmm. with the success of Guardians, we get introduced to very much not three thousand Yondu. Uh huh. <laughs> and so now we have to add him to six one six. So you have Ravager Yondu in 616. And we covered this in an actual pod. We did, yeah. A little over a year ago. <laughs> but we have we have current 21st century Yondu, who is a ruffian ravager, who, you know, devil may care attitude. And yep. you have Yondu 3000 from the future, from the 31st century, who in his time, this Yondu is a legend and people name their kids Yondu in reference to him. <laughs> so at some point, yeah, <laughs> Ravager Devil May Care Yondu becomes a legend. It, yeah, it's interesting. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and this Yondu has the shaved like fin thing. Right. Because he rejects his centurion blood and because the fin isn't some control helmet that you put on right it's actually biologically a fin and so he right. shaves it down all the time sounds painful but okay sounds very painful sounds very angel mm, yeah who else it's hard to even like place i think there's way more that we're not if you have any but if, if you have any examples please Bring them up in the Facebook group or send them to us, whatever. Put them on Will's Discord, whatever you've got <laughs> available to talk to us. Because I feel like there are so many things that have changed that it's hard to even like keep track of them all. Yeah, there's like, there's like little character things that are different in the movies mm-hmm. that influence the characters in 616. Sure. But none have been super egregious that like stand out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Character designs are a thing. Yeah. It's really, it's yeah. I don't know. We're, we're still in phase four. We're getting all these new characters. Right. This will be an interesting conversation. Like once we hit phase five, because the characters will be established or at least out and then we can see how that has affected the comics. I mean, like, so like Shang-Chi has never had siblings. Sure. And yeah. in the movie, he has a sister, right. long lost sister. And so in this latest Shang-Chi comic, he now like, has a full sister and then three half brother sisters. <laughs> and it's like, that's not really something that changes anything for anybody. And, and it could very well be right. like, we just haven't had much Shang-Chi to read before. Like, yeah, we just, he may have always had them and we didn't know about them, you know? So, right. Sure. And yeah, like this is the first. So, so this is like the first Shang-Chi title. Yeah. But he's been the title character of deadly hands of Kung Fu. Right. (laughs) But but it wasn't called Shang-Chi. Right. And there's been, I think, three other. I think runs. there was also like Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu, or something like that. Yeah, this is back like when they first introduced him, and the in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. And they're doing their cultural, 
yeah, stuff. Some not some <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> Trying to think if there's, I don't think there's anything else that's blatant. Like a lot of the changes they made to the characters from the comics to the movies were made for the sake of the movie. But right. There's such big characters like a Tony Stark or a C. Yes. Rogers that you can't, <laughs> you can't right. really change that in the comics. Totally. Yeah. It like extremists. Definitely ends up great being tragedy smaller. of comics. <sighs> Man. There's some uh, things where it's just like, you just really didn't want to try and figure out these visual effects. <laughs> like yeah. extremists. Yeah. Oh man, extremists would have been so cool. I'm trying to think, uh, I wonder, so like Black Panther, they don't do, they don't talk about Bast as much mm. in the movies. The, uh, the, the, the god, the, the panther god. The panther god, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I will say, I'm glad that they haven't changed, is that you can travel to all of the nine realms. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So that's nice. <laughs> In the MCU, you can physically just fly, apparently, to <laughs> any of the nine planets. In this sounds like you're North mostly mythology. nitpicking now. Yeah, and I mean, it's we're change. It's changing the conversation to differences right. Right. from the comics and the MCU. Yeah, which there's a shit ton. Right, that people have made their entire YouTube careers talking right. about. The differences between the comics and the MCU. We don't and need that, to do that. <laughs> that's it's a less it's a less interesting conversation to me. Yeah. Cause yeah. <laughs> like Stormbreaker. Oh my lord, Stormbreaker. Maybe it's because we know that stuff. All right. Anything yeah, else? Maybe. Anything else you wanna you wanna uh hit up on before we uh head on out? No. I think that was that was fun. We should definitely revisit this after phase four. Cool. Sounds good. Because then everything will be fresh. Like if we, okay. it would have been cool to have this conversation after each phase. Sure. Yeah. But it's fine. We're starting now. We didn't okay. have a podcast back then. Sure didn't. <laughs> Do you know what you're reading next week? Uh, you know how long I've been saying that I'm going to read this Gambit series? Gambit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read this Gambit series. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've Gambit got is a, coming I got to hang- the game that I'm playing. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's the Gambit series. It's whatever I said last. Oh, uh, Uncanny and Adjectiveless X-Men are, you know, one title right now. And they've got a big event coming up called the Magneto War. Ooh. Yeah. Not to be confused with the trial of Magneto. No. Or, <laughs> you know, well, the many trials of Magneto. Because the right. one he had in Uncanny 200 back in the 80s was... Or two. 200? Yeah, 200. That was an incredible book. But anyway. Hmm. I've got Spider-Man Beyond Volume 1. Okay. Unfortunately, I also have another book of Symbiote Spider-Man. <laughs> Artists are drawn by Greg Land. Oh, your favorite. Su- such a great comic book artist. <laughs> I forget what else is there, but I'm getting close to Deadpool, Black, White, and Red and Blood. Cool. So I'm interested in that. But yeah. Sweet. That's pretty much it. I think I'll probably only have three books for next episode. We'll see. Okay. Well, that was fun. That was fun. I guess the outro is on me. So we're going to put the outro music 
here. Okay, that's a decent place for it. Oh, you think we're getting trolled again? Oh, who knows, man? <laughs> Wouldn't who put knows, it knows. Yeah. Now that would I.